So, you're the guy who gets to hear my last words. <sighs> Lucky me. Like hell they're your last. It's okay, Cloud. It's okay. They were my bombs. They were all my victims. I had it coming. My hero. So gentle. Just try to hang on. behind that one a little bit more uh, seeing as you are the Final Fantasy 7 aficionado between the two of us so well done <laughs> and Barrett and you had a problem because Kratos was bigger and stronger and and Barrett more is ha- and more handsome and smarter <laughs> and no 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 but Barrett meets the criteria of just bigger and stronger we'll, we'll give you that perfect no I think that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> and uh we're saying that because you just heard a clip from Final Fantasy VII Remake in which uh, Jesse is dying and Cloud's last words to her is, you owe me a pizza. Like, Real quick, Nick, I got I to gotta chime in here. So a uh, little behind the scenes here. I just recently beat Final Fantasy VII Remake for the first time, probably about a month or two ago. Um, you know, one of the games that I missed from the PS4 generation. So I wanted to get behind it and... You know, going through the game, you know, I had a lot of thoughts and, and things, but when I heard that line, it it surprised me so much that it was the first thing I had to mention to Nick when I saw him the next time, and he, he lit up immediately when I said it because it is just so, so funny. I mean, Jesse, she's she's not just dying. she's She just got, like, destroyed, and she's laying on the ground, and she's in Cloud's arms, and it's just this, you know, tender moment, and then the delivery of that line is so so funny to me yeah you blind works in other media like there's been a movies video games a lot of times people are on their deathbed and they're like you can't die we still have so much to live for like this and that Mm -hmm. but just the delivery of that line is just so good it's like he recorded that like opposite of the whole situation and they're like oh that's great and then they just inserted it in there and it just sounds so ridiculous it's just- yeah no one of <laughs> well done square enix writing team well done <laughs> yeah i think we could do i don't intentionally plan to make every intro ridiculous audio clips of video game writing but there are certain pl- certainly plenty of them that we could we could keep this as an ongoing theme for sure definitely <laughs> Um, so welcome to the podcast. 
uh, if you're just joining us, this is how it works. We're each going to bring three things up. It can be a video game we're playing, a news article, a topic, a email to PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com, anything we feel like talking about. And then we bring those together for a total of six things. So I'm going to bring three things, John's going to bring three things, and we're going to talk about them. Um, and uh, I'm going to kick things off. Uh, and I'm going to set the stage for this one. You know, it was uh, it was a Thursday after Summer's Games Fest. Me and John were just in a crappy mood. As we discussed last week, we thought Summer Games Fest was going to be this blowout of information. There was going to be some more Sony first party games there. And while we did get The Last of Us Part 1, it was it was a it was a down day for sure. Definitely. But then that day after our boy Jason Schreier, the, the insider with all the information on all the studios, uh, he comes out with a report in Bloomberg News that hey, Sony still plans to have God of War come out this year in November, and also they're planning on having an event before the end of June uh, to discuss that and announce it, and. I remember texting you, John. I think I texted you the Gandalf gif of him, like all glowing and happy and this <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> just jubilation as he saw this. So, and since Jason Trier is known to be fairly reliable, I, I believe this to be true. Um, and then just to piggyback on that, Tom Henderson, who's a freelance writer for a bunch of sites, he also confirmed that this is what he heard and that it was going to be part of several more events later uh, later this month as well as part of this um, end of June uh, showcase that might occur. So I wanted to ask you, John, do you believe that this is all true, that next week we're going to get into Sony event? And that do you think God of War will be there and that God of War is planned to be released this year? Um, so a little bit of yes, a little bit of no. Um, so like you said, Schreier is about as trusted of a person as there is in the industry, right? He's had a long history uh, working at Kotaku, works at Bloomberg now. Uh, very rarely is he wrong. Uh, same thing kind of goes with Tom Henderson. Uh, they're just two very well-connected people. So obviously they have... Uh, sources, whether at Sony, Microsoft, YouTube, who knows, but I typically want to believe everything they say. So I, I do uh, definitely believe God of War is coming out this year. Um, I don't, at least that's what, you know, internally Sony still believes, you know, Sony might not know whether it's going to be ready or not. So they're hesitant to put a date on it. Um, so I, I think that that is definitely going to happen. Um, but when it comes to Sony having a, an event, uh, as much as we may want it, I would probably put my camp in the no, uh, put put it in the no camp, just because, you know, we're, we're recording this on uh, June 22nd. It's a Wednesday, right? You know, there is a chance that Sony could come out tomorrow and say that, hey, we're doing an event next week. But just with other tangentially related things that we've heard, which I'm sure you're probably going to talk about here in a second, Nick, but, you know, this in-zone event, right, that just got basically talked about today. And that's scheduled for next week on the 28th. I can't imagine that Sony would be having multiple events in the same week. Um, and, you know, I think it might be possible that the rumors and inside information that these guys have heard is probably pointing to a Sony event. But, you know, I don't think anybody would think that it would be anything except for maybe a first party blowout, maybe a PSVR blowout or something like that, instead of this random hardware uh 
accessory event that we're going to seem to have. And um, so I think that's probably where a lot of the news is coming from um, because otherwise, you know, it just, it just doesn't seem it, things are dwindling down. You know, it's like I would, if you asked me two weeks ago, you know, is Sony going to have an event? Like, Absolutely, man. You know, they have VR to talk about. They have the new PS plus thing. They got to talk about the only first party game we know of that's coming is God of war. Um, so, you know, we, we need these inf- with this information, but over the past two weeks, everything has kind of just been scattershot, right? Like we got The Last of Us uh, Part 1 remake at Summer Games Fest. We, we're getting this weird, um, you know, we got the, the press release of the PS Plus stuff earlier in the month. Uh, PSVR kind of had half of the state of play um, earlier this month. So it just, it seems like they're almost taking everything that they could have put into an event that themselves could have put on and just sprinkling it around here or there. So uh, as much as I want to know what the other teams are doing, um, you know, I think we just live in a different age now. I, I think, you know, since the cyberpunk fiasco and just generally the, the way that games have been being made the past couple of years, they're taking longer to make, they're more expensive. Um, I don't think companies are as comfortable putting dates on things as early as we're used to. So, you know, I just, I, I don't think they're going to want to put those, those dates on there. And, you know, when, when God of War uh, comes out later this year, we might get a state of play a, a little bit ahead of time, but that game's going to be so huge anyway that they don't need this long marketing lead up into it. So, um, you know, I, I wish we had more, more info coming in, but I don't think so. Yeah. It, it has been a strange month about announcements. They've been all over the place and, you know, IGN just blew out uh, that Hyenas game today uh, coming from Creative Assembly and Sega uh, just randomly out of the blue. And why wouldn't this be at the myriad of other events that were earlier this year, uh, right. earlier this month? And same thing with God of War. Why is God of War kind of sitting here waiting if they I mean, unless it's that by the wire, right? They don't they still are unsure whether it's going to make this November release date. Like why wasn't it here at the state of play? Why was it not at Summer Games Fest or any other any other planned announcements if 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 it wasn't going to be in this month at all. Um right. but that being well, said, when you got two notable uh reporters kind of like both saying this is what they're hearing and Jason Trier did kind of say like as of right now the plan is November like you know video game development changes all the time like you know it could be November as of June and then in July it's like not it's not going to make it so 2023 but it it is really weird if if whether it goes either way it is really hard to say I I don't know but yeah um, I could see I mean you know um Something that I've kind of noticed a little bit this generation too is, you know, during the PS4, I think that was really the generation that Sony had its its huge coming out party that really separated itself from the pack in terms of first party development. Every single game that they, they came out with last generation was a 10 out of 10 fucking banger. Everybody loved them. God of War, Horizon, Last of Us. Part two, well, I guess <laughs> critically, at least that one, uh, Spider-Man. But, you know, they were so well received critically and commercially. And it seems like so far this generation, I don't think the quality's dropped. But I do think there's this interesting thing among, uh, you know, let's just say it, the Internet, where these games are coming out like Horizon Forbidden West, right? You know, receives great scores. I think it's sitting at an 88 on Metacritic. I don't think anybody who's played both Zero Dawn and Forbidden West 
would say that that Forbidden West is anything but an improvement on the first one. But it seems like there's almost people are a little bit down on these properties. And, you know, specifically with Horizon, Elden Ring came out around there and we know what a force that is. Uh, But Gran Turismo, right? That's another that one came out. I think it was in 87. Uh, Again, it had the microtransaction kind of drama that surrounded it a little bit. But again, people seem kind of down on that. So I want to I would bet internally right now, Sony is is really, really really making sure that God of War is going to be what the first one was in this generational type title, because if not, you know, then, then it, the, the trajectory is, is still declining. And, um, you know, I, I want them sure they want to make sure they do everything they can to protect their IP because, uh, at the end of the day, that's the number one thing Sony has, in my opinion, over everybody else is they have, First party content like no one else. And so, yeah, they might not know because if, if they can hit this November date, great. But if not, I, I'm sure they're willing to delay it just because there's nothing else coming out this fall. You know, we know Starfield got delayed. Um, you know, there'll be the typical players, Call of Duty, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if they, if they need to delay it, I think they will. So I don't see any reason, again, to my point earlier, you know, you can put that that release date in August for November, give a three month marketing period, and you're still going to see massive success because, as we all know, people still can't find PS5, so that game's going to have long legs. Um, but you know, it's just it's just you know we're kind of living in a new time with the way that these companies operate and how early they announce things, how much details they put on things. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see. <laughs> so over under. This year or not this year for God of Wonder, God of War. If you were, well, if you were to put money on it, where, where, where are you leaning towards? This not, year, not the event part, but let's just say the yeah. the announcement of or what what the date's going to be. Is it is uh, it twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two? I'm sorry, it's twenty twenty two. I think I think they'll hit it. I mean, Sony Santa Monica is you know a very very talented team. I think they're definitely one of those teams that respects their workplace culture as well. Um, so I think. I think that, um, you know, they're not going to need to crunch. I think they've put their pieces in order and they're, you know, it's, I don't want this to come across negatively, but you know, God of War Ragnarok, at least by what we've seen so far, does seem like it's reusing a lot of assets that the first one does. Right. So, you know, I think that they can put the pieces together, get it out on time and fill that November period, um, you know, just to get some holiday sales. But I, I would say it's coming this year, you know, especially after dropping us a 2021 release date first off. It's, it'd be a little insulting if it didn't, but, you know, I just yeah. want them to, to make that game whenever it comes out, you know, have it be as perfect as possible because uh, the first one is was truly something special. And it'd be a little bit of a bummer if this one was a, a big step backwards. Yeah. And and as someone who predicted this game to be out by now, as I did <laughs> last yeah. year with you. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, yeah, I am in the same boat. It's 2022 for sure. That, but I, it's just me, me being not optimistic. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, we, you know, there's there's no proof one way or another. But um, yeah, man, I, I I'd be very surprised because that that means that the only thing for the rest of the year for PlayStation is The Last of Us, and I I, I feel like they have to have at least something else. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. All right. So, John, what are we talking about next? Uh, so I wanted to kind of go over and just talk a little bit about the the new PS Plus uh, subscription service. Um, so, you know, as a lot of PlayStation fans know, 
PlayStation has revamped their PS Plus service, um, you know, taking something that we've all been used to for a couple of years, which, you know, you pay for your online, you get a couple free games, we're all happy, we all move on. Some people bitch about, you know, the games that we get received, but at the end of the day, they're all free. But, you know, with the rise of Xbox Game Pass, Sony needed to, you know, Sony needed to, to answer in some way. And while this, I, while I don't think this is a, a one-for-one one comparison, um, I just kind of wanted to get your temperature, Nick, on like how you think, how you think this service is. And just for the audience, we'll kind of go over a couple things here first and foremost. Um, so what PlayStation did is they broke PS Plus into three separate tiers. You know, previously it was just PS Plus, one tier, you get it. You, you pay uh, 60 bucks a year, you get, you know, the online and the free games. Uh, now you have the option to get PlayStation Essential, PlayStation Extra, or PlayStation Premium, all at different price points. And uh, PlayStation Essential is everything we know uh, as previous subscribers, right? It's still the same thing. You get a couple free games, you get the online subscription. Uh, PlayStation Plus Extra, uh, which costs $99 a year, uh, that gets you some uh, PS4 and PS5 games just added into your catalog, basically to download for free. And, and honestly, I think it's a pretty good list. You got games, new games for PS5 like Returnal. Um, you get some, you know, heavy hitters, uh, Demon Souls, uh, some of the Uncharted games. Um, you know, some some really good stuff. Uh, Death Stranding being another one. Uh, and then in the top tier, PlayStation Premium, you get uh, access to some. Um, Cloud streaming, so you can stream some old PS3 games, uh, as well as access to some classic catalogs, a lot of PS1 games. Um, and something that, you know, is kind of a minor selling point, but game trials, where basically there's going to be a select few games. Uh, PlayStation decides that you can go in, try out for free for a specific amount of time um, to see if it's something that you would want to buy or not. Some big games on there, too, like Horizon Forbidden West, um, you know, I believe is one, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, but not quite a ton there at this point. So um, just kind of wanted to get your initial gut reaction, Nick. You know, obviously there's a lot of details here. I'm not going to bore the audience with going over everything else, every single specific of, um, you know, what games are included and whatnot. But, you know, do you think it's been a good rollout so far, you know, or do you think that there is some room for improvement uh, with either maybe the messaging, the service itself, or, um, you know, do you think it's something that, that is going to gain some steam? Uh yeah, I think in a vacuum, not comparing, not comparing, not comparing it directly to Game Pass. That yeah, it is a really good value. If you're the one that's been a little bit behind on games, you got a PS5 just just now or in the last few months, and you missed out on a lot of the last year's big games. This is an incredible value for you know a hundred dollars. You're getting. Miles Morales, Death Stranding, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. You're getting all these big titles of over the last few years, you know, and that's a great value. There's so many games in there. But is it all the good ones? No, but it's really good for that value. And it's still updating. The, the list we launched with is not the list we're going to get at the end of the year. Um, we got, you know, Stray is going to be a day and date game uh, that we're going to get. And there will be more titles added throughout the year. So, so just at face value, it is a great deal. Now, when you compare it directly to uh, Microsoft and they're, you know, releasing their brand new games whenever they come out, as we talked about, <laughs> they're, we got yeah. 12, they, they're not going to have a first party game this year. Um, 
but it's really hard to compare when they're giving away their best titles for free. You know, if God of War was on this thing, uh, Ragnarok and, you know, Gran Turismo 7 and Horizon Forbidden West, I think, well, it would be a no brainer. Um, but I really think the value of this is where you're at as a gamer and where you're at as far as how on top of games you you play are. So for myself, I'm I'm on top of things. I usually play the games I want. I get them when they come out typically. And then, you know, if I miss a game, I get to it fairly quickly. So most of these games I've played and out of all the big games, I think Death Stranding was the only one uh, that I missed. And, uh, you know, just foreshadowing a bit, we're going to talk about a little later. Uh, So for me, the value isn't all there, but it's still really, really good. Like if I want to play Death Stranding, I might as well just pay the forty dollars because everything I get with it. So, yeah. um, no, it looks really, really good. I know the direct comparison to Game Pass; it doesn't look as good, but I don't. How can you not fault the value? There are so many games in this thing um, that it's just it's just worth the price. Yeah. No, I think you touched on a couple important things there. Um, you know, first and foremost, I. I you know, I'm just going to say it. I think anybody who wants to poo-poo on this service just because it doesn't have day and date Sony releases is is high. Like that, that is the most insane thing that I think a consumer could kind of think. I mean, you look at, again, what, what does Sony have over everybody else? They have these premium title games. You know, there's not a game on Xbox that's as high of quality as Horizon, that's as high of quality as God of War, that's as high of quality as The Last of Us, Spider-Man. And the list goes on, and that's not me trying to be a fanboy, that's me trying to be a video game, you know, lifelong lover. It's, it's I, you know, I understand games, I know what they, what makes them tick, you know, the things that are good and bad about them. And so it would just be, it would shoot Sony in the foot to add day and date. So I think that that's definitely an unrealistic expectation. Um, but that's not to say again, that the service has bad games. You know, I'm, I'm looking, I was able to find on Reddit, just a list of somebody who kind of listed out all the best games on the service. Red Dead 2, God of War, Bloodborne, Uncharted 4, Demon's Souls, Celeste, Shadow of the Colossus, Batman Arkham Knight, Dead Cells, Fallout 4, Fallout or Final Fantasy 7 Remake, Ghost of Tsushima. I could go on and on. Like these are great <laughs> games. Like and it's, it's I think it does compare to the games on Game Pass, you know. Again, there, you know, it's great that that you can kind of pay this one fee in this ecosystem of Microsoft and you don't have to worry about it. That's that's fantastic. That's very consumer friendly. Uh, that's a you know awesome thing to do. But that's something that Microsoft can do because guess what? They have Windows. They have Office. They have so many other streams of, of income coming in that they're allowed to do this because uh, as anybody who follows the industry kind of knows, Phil Spencer's never said that Game Pass is profitable. He says it's sustainable. He says that we can keep this up, but that's because Microsoft has so much money. Um, so I think for, again, what you said, the value proposition, I think Sony did a great job with it, with with adding this library in um, that gets people excited. If you missed a, a title here or there, you know, being able to play, you being a perfect example with Death Stranding. Um, one thing I do think that is kind of interesting, though, is the fact that the tiers to me almost seemed reversed in the fact that, you know, again, looking at this list of, of games on the service ranked by, by Metacritic or OpenCritic, whichever the two, out of the top 20 games, I've played 18 of them, right? <laughs> you, you've played, you know, you're not as much of an indie game guy, which is, you know, that's just your taste, but I'm sure you've played all the big ones. So it's just interesting to me that, the people who you might think are your most diehard gamers, like there's really not a lot of reason to get it. 
Um, you know, unless if you are somebody who really has that nostalgia play and really wants to play some PlayStation one games, which there's, there's people out there, but you know, I don't have enough time to play any of the new stuff that I want. So it's, it's hard to go back. Um, but you know, it's just kind of an interesting thing I noticed about the service itself. Um, you know, but like you said, man, I, if I was a, I don't know, a college student who's just getting some money, who maybe, you know, parents never really bought him much games or, or you got like a game a year. Oh my God. Can you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine just the amount of content that you, you could, you could sit there for days and, and just, and just try a game for an hour and just try another game for and try another game and try another, and just really pick apart the library and then walk away. I guarantee with probably 50 things you would want to play. It's, <laughs> it really is a feeding frenzy. So I, I, I personally think Sony's doing a good job. I think that they could do a little bit more with messaging and making it clearer just in terms of what's where, you know, cause there's so many moving pieces, but I, I think that's also something that'll get ironed out, uh, you know, as time passes. Um, and I'm excited to see what, you know, what do they add? Like you said, Stray, you know, if, they, if they're able to put these little smaller $20, $25 games, maybe like, you know, like a Hollow Knight Silk Song um, or, you know, some some those kind of indie games, day and date. I mean, I think that that that's, might be enough to get me to subscribe to just because, you know, like you said, if the difference in, in money is $60 a year, whether I buy these games a la carte or I just subscribe to this thing, why not subscribe, you know? So, right. um, yeah, I think I think... I think it's it's pretty good rollout. Hope it hope it stays strong. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely be watching it. That's for sure. Like uh, as as Game Pass announces, you know their July games as they just recently did. Uh, PlayStation's going to do the same thing. So I mean, I will be talking about this for for a long time. You know, and every time a big game is on there, we'll definitely be talking about it. And I mean, it's only a matter of time. I know we're both not currently subscribed to the the premium or extra tier, but it's only a matter of time. We'll, we'll we'll be there this year. I guarantee it. Do you think? Uh, do you think that every Sony first party game will eventually find its way onto the service? Like, do you think Sony has an internal kind of clock uh, <laughs> for how long it's gonna? You know, like if God of War Ragnarok comes out like a year, two years. Like, what do you think? Just, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, the, how long before the game releases? Because I mean, there's some older. You know, even like Last of Us 2, but I'm sure they have plans for that. It's yeah. not on here. And that came out before Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm assuming they'll have some kind of cadence, like maybe every other month a big Sony first-party game will appear on there that has been out for more than a year. Um, you know, Spider-Man's about to come on PC, so maybe that's why the older Spider-Man isn't on here. But yeah, uh, yeah it really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Because yeah. I don't think Spider-Man One's on here. Uh, I'd have to check. I'm not. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I, but, but I know Miles Morales is. So, uh, yeah. and that's the. I mean, that's the you know, cheaper expansion. But uh, yeah, I, just a quick, just a quick correction. Yeah, Spider-Man is on there. But, oh wow. Yeah. So um, it is on there. But you know, I. Uh, it's yeah. It'll be interesting to see. You know, what is their process for that? You know, because yeah. you, you need to, you need to keep people hooked. You need to keep people subscribing over and over and over again. So. You know, there's smarter people, I'm sure, in those boardrooms than you and I uh, that are figuring it all yeah. out and having the analytics. But yeah, it's and it's marketing. I mean, Last of Us Two Part Two is going to be on there. That's that's marketing. Like, yep. Buy the extra tier, you get Last of Us Part Two. Who's not doing it then? You know, right. if you haven't played the game, you know. So, um, yeah. 
All right. So we're going to move on to the next thing. And uh, this is what inspired our uh, You Owe Me a Pizza clip. Uh, while we were recording last week, I mentioned that there was a Final Fantasy event going on. And sure enough, as I also mentioned, who knows what they're going to announce at these things. They could have just said nothing like uh, we're going to release some new avatars or you know, we we got at future dates. We're going to talk about more games, but you know, Square Enix decided to bring it, and while announcing remakes for Final Fantasy Crisis Core and other projects, the one we're really really excited for is Final Fantasy VII Remake Two, which is now called Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, there are two things I want to talk about. This, John, you beat Final Fantasy VII Remake earlier this year i want to gauge your excitement level for this game which they announced is going to be coming out next winter whatever that means i'm assuming it's going to be 2024 but you know it could be 2023 you don't know um and also the fact that they already announced that this is part of a trilogy now and how do you feel about knowing if we just go by the cadence of these games if rebirth releases in 2024 how do you feel and how do you think about playing a game in 2028, finishing this series <laughs> in 2028, six years from now, um, in the probably the best case scenario? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I wanna, wanted to get your thoughts on both of those things. So, uh, f- yeah, I think it's important to understand that I am kind of a unique Final Fantasy VII uh, player. So I never played the original Uh until very recently, and, and I still haven't gotten through the whole thing. I've actually just been playing on my Switch here and there. So I don't have a lot of history with uh, the original series. Uh, and from everything that I obviously learned playing through Part 1, and as well as just kind of uh, listening to people talk about this second one, seems like they're really, really diverging from uh, the original story and taking their own spin on it. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm very excited because... You know, part of the reason I think it took me so long to get to part one and play through it was I just didn't have the connection to it. And I was kind of nervous and, and scared that, you know, is there things I'm missing? You know, are there there Easter eggs here and there? Does it am I would I get a lot more out of this if I have the knowledge of the original, which kind of spurred me to go back and play it on the switch. So the fact that this is does seem to be its own standalone story or at least something that's you know kind of tangentially related to the first one and its own like spin almost kind of like a remix of sorts i think is is pretty exciting i can understand how for some people that might be a little bit of a disappointment um you know being that final fantasy 7 you know probably has more it's my favorite game of all times than almost anything short of like Ocarina of Time. You know, there's so many people that hold that game in high regard. So the idea that, oh man, we're not getting, we're not getting an open world, you know, thing like, uh, like we had in the original or, or whatever the case, you know, I can see how that might be a little disappointing, but um, you know, I, I, I really fell in love with the characters going through the first one. I think Cloud is an all-time protagonist. You know, it's iconic from the sword to the hair uh, to, you know, him being a soldier. Like, there's so many iconic things with him. So, you know, kind of seeing how hi- him and Sephiroth are going to develop going forward. Because I do know some of the bullet points from the first one. You know, I well, I don't want to spoil anything and just in case anybody hasn't gotten through those. But, um you know, I, I am I am curious to see how the relationship, uh, you know, develops. But um, I, in, in regards to the time period of how long it's going to take to get through these games, I think the fact that, again, being that it is its own spin, 
takes a little bit of the the sting out of the length. You know, yeah, it's a 10-year development cycle. Uh, but if you kind of think of it more like this is Final Fantasy 7A, Final Fantasy 7B, Final Fantasy 7C, like three separate games, right? Because they are this this new vision. It's not just retelling this one story. It's telling this one story with this spin on it, with these, this new uh, story arc. I think it, it makes it a little bit easier to swallow. Um, but yeah, man, it is, it is kind of ridiculous. Just, I don't know, what is it going to be? It's going to be eight to 10 years from start to finish. So it's just, it's, it's, you know, I would say the biggest, the biggest downside of it would maybe be opportunity cost is, you know, this, this is a great team, the creative assembly or creative business assembly three. Is that, <laughs> is that what it is? I know I it's something incredibly silly. Um, you know, it's like, what could these guys do if they weren't just working on this property? You know, what could they, what could they do if they decided to do their own thing? Um, so, you know, 10 years is a long time to tie up a whole, whole team of people. Um, but if they can produce, if they can produce something of the quality that Final Fantasy seven remake part one was, uh, I, I, I don't see how you can be disappointed because, uh, you know, it was, it, it created some memorable moments. It had some pretty awesome, awesome gameplay. Uh, the combat was fast, kinetic, you know, allowed you to slow it down if you wanted to and, and kind of, you know, flesh out the story a little bit more, um, you know, right. Taking, taking a bouncer from the first game that had three seconds of screen time into this fully fleshed out character is, you know, something, something that's kind of cool. Um, you know, and they do that multiple times throughout the series. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, I can't wait to play it next winter. Let's let's hope that it doesn't get de- delayed like everything else seems to nowadays. So we'll see because you you start adding in some delays that eight to ten years starts to get to ten to twelve, and that might be a little bit too much. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a frightening thing to think about now. Like you know, in the previous generations, you know, video games were you know were two to three years, you know, and now it's as we've seen with a lot of studios, uh, Bethesda, Rocksteady, you know that the the time period between these games is getting longer and longer that announcing a trilogy like is just a daunting task. It's almost like, you know, when we, when I, when Todd Howard mentioned the thousand planets in Starfield and my eyes roll back, it's the same thing here. It's like, yeah. Oh, this is part of a trilogy. And you're like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> so did, you, did you hear by the way that Todd Howard mentioned fallout five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. exactly. That yeah. game will like, come out, uh, come out even after the, this third Final Fantasy game. That game uh, is coming out in 2037, <laughs> dude. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So you hear these things and it's just like, wow, like, man, games are taking a long time to come out. And so it's just it's just something to think about. I'll be there, I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. when Final Fantasy VII Revengeance comes out on PlayStation 6 eventually. Um, I'll be there. But it's just uh, it's just a bummer, I think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's something... Game development's you know. taking too long and it sucks, but it's the reality of, of what it is now. Yeah, well, and then you add in the fact, too, that it seems like every single game is not really done when they're released. You know, you get day one <laughs> patches and added DLC that maybe should have been in the game and, you know, tweaks here and there. So it's it's a hard pill to swallow, but... You know, it's it's kind of similar to maybe how I feel about the seventy dollar. You know, when when everybody's kind of getting upset about seventy dollar PlayStation games, right? It's like, well, that's just the, that's just kind of how it is nowadays, man. Like, you know, it's if you want to play right. games, if this is a hobby that's important to you, if this is something that you want to, you know, keep going forward, you know, you just kind of got to roll with the times. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, but it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a quite the wait, quite yeah. the wait. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Is just you know set your expectations. Like we got to readjust the expectations exactly. that we used to have, and now apply it. And not only to this and what we were like previously talking about, like game announcement to release date, and now you know that game development. You know, if it is going to be a part of a larger series, is just you know strap in and just just be patient. You know, backlogs. It'll get here. Yeah. Backlogs. <laughs> and, and Final Fantasy VII did have like DLC, so you know a year later, you know you weren't. It's not like you're completely detached from that world and that series. They ended up mm-hmm. telling a good. Uh, the Yuffie DLC for Final Fantasy VII Remake was actually pretty good, and it, it'll hold you over a little bit while you're agonizingly waiting for the, the rest of the games to come out. <laughs> right. Was that was that good? I never got to it. Yeah, it, it is very good. I don't know if I would pay full price for it because it is very short. It's about you know six hours, and, okay. that, and that's me completing a lot of the. They have their own little you know Gwent equivalent card game equivalent in the game. Uh, I completed all that, so. I, okay. I, I, you know, padded my own experience in it, but if you're just doing the story, it might be even shorter. So, but if it shows up on sale, yeah, it's a, it's a great little uh, story that is a character in the original Final Fantasy VII that, that didn't get a lot of screen time. In fact, she w- could have been a missable character. So not a lot of people, you know, have experience with Yuffie and, and she is a fun character to play. You know, you're not you're a big guy carrying a sword. You're, th- you're throwing a giant shuriken that you can jump to and, uh, and change the elements on as well. So, no, oh, that's cool. Um, cool. All right. So, uh, let's move on. Let's keep this final fantasy train going. <laughs> John, what do you got for us next? That's right. So, uh, wanted to touch base uh, a little bit on final fantasy 16 next mainline entry into the final fantasy series. You know, we've been, getting a decent amount of spinoffs lately with remake part one. And, you know, they also announced a crisis core thing coming and stranger of paradise, you know, trying to kill chaos over and over and over again. But, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a couple of years. I want to say, uh, final fantasy 15 came out in 2015. Um, so, you know, we're finally getting our next mainline series, uh, entry into the series. And I gotta say, man, I am pretty stoked about this one. You know, we got a, uh, a quick trailer uh, during the Sony State of Play um, that kind of showcased uh, the world uh, itself and, you know, a little bit, you know, obviously not getting a lot of story beats, but kind of some of the different things you'll see in the game. Um, and I think anybody who watched that trailer would, would agree the main focal point seems to be the summons. Uh, and it really seems like they're kind of taking that to heart um, with the game. We actually got a decent dump from, of information um, from the game director uh, today, Hiroshi Takai, um, just kind of going over some of the different elements and things we'll see in the game, answering very, very brief questions. But I kind of wanted to just go over a little bit of that. Um, and I wanted to kind of start off with just a little bit of quote about the gameplay because I find this pretty interesting you know Final Fantasy 7 or I'm sorry Final Fantasy in general traditionally a turn-based game right it's it's a little bit slower Mm -hmm. more methodical Uh, we've recently gotten into uh, faster paced action RPG stuff I think with the start of Final Fantasy 15 and you know taking some Kingdom Hearts influence but this one sounds a little bit interesting so I'm just going to read a a snippet from uh, director Takai here He says, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake would not exist without the original Final Fantasy VII, and those original systems ultimately influenced what Remake became. Final Fantasy XVI, however, is a completely new game with a completely different concept. In order to take the series in a new direction rather than build off old battle systems, director Hiroshi Takai and battle director Ryota Suzuki, uh, real quick, who did Devil May Cry 4 and 5, which is very exciting, uh, made real-time action their focus. 
Yoshida explains translating traditional summon abilities into player actions and allowing for the real-time swapping and chaining of abilities in battle has allowed us to create a system that not only looks great, but feels really good to play. There will also be times where the player will control an Akon in real-time battling other Akons. I, I believe those are the summons in this game. Uh, the battle type and scale are somewhat fluid and change seamlessly in real time depending on the battle, keeping things at maximum efficiency or maximum excitement while maintaining immersion. These very types of Akon drive and action-oriented battles are one of the main selling points of Final Fantasy 16, and we'll be bringing more to you in the coming months about them. I think hmm. that sounds dope. I think that that could be <laughs> that could be something really cool, and you know, kind of take some of the action. Um, you know, introduce something new into the series. Um, you know, anybody who's who's a fan of anime, which, you know, I would imagine there's a pretty decent uh, crossover in the video game uh, community, is going to see obvious uh, Attack on Titan influences here because uh, one of the things that we notice is the summons are not just summons. They're actual people in the world themselves. So it seems like we'll, we'll be meeting some characters who are able to turn into these gigantic Godzilla-type creatures that duke it out and then possibly switch back into, you know, a battle with your guys on the ground with swords while, you know, this crazy thing's happening in the background. And I think it just has the opportunity to be, you know, awe-inspiring, grandiose, and all this awesome, you know, kind of, you know, high fantasy craziness man like you know it seems very Mm -hmm. attack on titan if anybody's familiar with attack on titan one of my favorite shows i've ever seen um so i think that there's a lot to be excited about um and just a couple other points about the game the game itself um you know there has they have since confirmed that there will be full ai driven party members a lot of people were concerned i think when the trailer came out you know that that it would just be one character you're controlling which is very unfinal fantasy so there will be other characters uh one of those characters may be a puppy which is amazing you know his name's torgal um so you know we might get a little puppy that can you know you can battle alongside um and it's confirmed to not be open world, which is, I think, kind of interesting. You know, in an age where it seems like everything is getting the open world treatment, uh, as we discussed last week with Sonic Frontiers, um, I think there is still a lot to be said about a tight, uh, narratively constructed linear game, or at least, you know, uh, to take a, another Sonic poll, an open zone game, right? That maybe you're going into these areas and kind of exploring them for a little bit. But I think that definitely lends itself to uh, the narrative side of everything. It allows you to have a more controlled narrative um, sequence as opposed to open world storytelling, which can kind of jump here and there. You get lost with side quests. You kind of forget what the main narrative is. So, you know, if they really have a solid story to tell and if there's these more mature themes that they kind of keep talking about, I think this could shape up to be one of the better entries and I'm really you know really hoping it is um you know because I I think it's been a while since Final Fantasy has really been on the top you know it's it's always been this very popular series you know they sell tens of millions of copies um but I mean would you agree Nick that Final Fantasy really hasn't been the pinnacle that it once was since like the seven and nine days you know they're always really really good and, you know, 14 is kind of turning that around a little bit, you know, but it's in a much different space. You know, do you think that Final Fantasy, you know, has room to still grow in this day and age? And do you think that this could be the one to get them there? Yeah, of, of course. Um, I mean, Final Fantasy games have, are still huge, regardless of how people feel about each individual entry. Um, they, you know, they wildly change up the characters in combat. 
that everyone kind of has their favorites and they kind of don't, they kind of jump all over the place as to what people's favorites are. But the series is always incredibly popular. So Square Enix is always dumping as much money into the, their mainline projects. So this is, this is going to be a huge game, I'm sure. And everything we've seen so far is very exciting. You know, the, just the, a lot of Final Fantasy games are kind of just the same old thing. You get into a battle, you might have a, you might summon a guy who does an automatic attack. You cast Faraga, you do your basic attacks, <laughs> you do your limit breaks. And, and that's kind of like the, the pace of the whole game. You get better, all those abilities get better and better throughout the game. But there's really not a change up in, in combat. And then now you throw on these, the sum, playing as the summons themselves. You're playing as Shiva and Ifrit. Um, that that just mixes things up, and and as we saw in the the trailer, like they they have health bars too, um, right? So you're commanding them doing attacks, and it just it just looks very exciting. Um, it, it almost looks like a fighting game, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it does, and uh, yeah, that, that's all exciting. And just uh, I think another comment he had made is that they plan to tell a more mature story in this one. And I thought that's music to my ears uh, yep. because a lot of these JRPGs, they kind of skew a little, they, they go both ways. It's like, you know, they kind of have the, they'll have the younger characters, the little, little kitty characters and this, and the story will be typical, you know, your basic anime premise all the time. Main character forgets their memory, has to save the <laughs> world and all that. Um, so the storytelling is not always there. And I will say Final Fantasy is usually an exception to this. Their stories are usually a lot better. Yeah. Um, I didn't complete Final Fantasy 15, but it was, it's definitely a different story. You know, you're on a road trip with your, your, your royalty and you're on a road trip with your brother, your best yeah, friends. You, and you better say bros right now. Yeah, you don't say yeah, bros. With your bros, yeah. with your bros yeah. and they all have their personalities and it's it's very it's not a typical story by any means. And and this as as far as we've seen so far in the trailer, it looks the same. So so yeah, I think that this this Final Fantasy will be will be pretty big. Um and it will be PlayStation only, which is yes. a big deal too. Yeah. So I don't know how that will change. I'm, I'm assuming most of the copies have always sold on PlayStation compared to Xbox. But uh, this this is a flagship game for the console, without a doubt. Um, so, yeah, Square is going to be behind it. Sony is going to be behind it. This this is going to be a big deal when it comes out uh, next year. I believe summer they are planning at the end of the trailer. So. Yeah, I just I I I'm, I want a Final Fantasy game to be a front runner for Game of the Year again. You know, yes. it, it feels like it's been a, like again. Some people like 15, some people didn't. Some people like 13. Well, in fact, most people didn't. I would say with 13, I think a lot of people like 12. I think 12 is probably the last one that was universally acclaimed. And my personal favorite, which I know might upset some people, is 10. Um, you know, that I think kind of was the last time that that it was like this you know, industry leading game, but, but I just want them to get back to that, man. I want them to be, Oh my God, did you play the last final fantasy game? Um, because that was, you know, such an important part of the growth of video games. Final fantasy seven, one of the most important games ever final fantasy six. I've never played it. A lot of people say one of the best RPGs ever made same with final fantasy nine. So we'll just love a return to form. And, uh, with the final fantasy 14 director at the helm and the more mature, um, more mature tone, um, you know, adding these summon things. I think they're, they're saying the right things and getting, you know, people excited. Uh, you know, they just have to execute now. So we'll see. Yeah. And well, next year is going to be pretty stacked. If 
all these games that you know the, the ones that got delayed out of this year and the ones announced for this year. It would at least I don't think Final Fantasy 16 would win with against like a Breath of the Wild too, but I it would be great if it was in the discussion that um, you know at the Game Awards at the end of the year right. it was one of the games that you know stood out with you know the Spider Man two and all the other games that will be out next year that that would be great you know that right. Would... Oh, and final question before we move on: mm-hmm. Is the dog gonna have its own summon? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's asking too much. I don't know, man. I uh, it could turn into a giant chocobo or something. Could, there are goofy summons. In, oh yeah, there's so in many Final yeah, Fantasy. Absolutely. Like not, they're not all the bad ass dragons and uh, <laughs> and other yeah. characters. So <laughs> I, I hope. I mean, I hope so. You know, because there could be a world. You know, I, I think. You know, thinking back to my Final Fantasy experience, it's, I would say there's typically what seven to eight summons in a game. Would you say that's fair? Uh, there's a, there's a lot in Final Fantasy VII. There's way more than that. Is there? Uh, okay, yeah. so 10, 10's my main experience. I think there's about seven to eight. So yeah, you know, they if, definitely it, toned it down after. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, so that's kind of you know, so maybe if this game is so heavily focused on summons, if that's like one of the driving factors, as they said in that quote, there could be a world where there's twenty five summons. I mean, I I think it was Final Fantasy VI that had like you know, 15 or 16 playable party members. So, right. you know, nothing says that they can't, they can't uh, blow that, blow that up here too. So uh, as much as I would love a pupper, a pupper summon, I don't know. I don't know if it's a playable character, maybe, but I don't know, man, that's, it might be just asking for too much. We don't want to give them the game of the year award, you know? <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, to... John, it is the best summon in the game. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the, 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 the best one in Final Fantasy VII was Knights of the Round Table. That's what it right. does. Knights of the Round, it turns into like 13 dudes that just, just wreck <laughs> people. <laughs> and instead of a 45 second uh, cutscene every time, it's just six minutes long every time. Yeah. You're going to watch yeah. this because God damn it, this dog is so cute. Yep. The, see, the the main villain is going to try and kill you. The dog's going to be there. Its eyes are going to glow, and you're going to go, what? And then it's going to turn into 13 knights. Oh, and, man. <laughs> and just oh, man. Dream come true. <laughs> I think if this does come true, you owe me, like, a, a month of meals. You got you, it. You'll, you'll get a couple pizzas. You'll get a couple pizzas. <laughs> All right, so moving on, the next topic is going to be very short, and here it is. My next video game, what am I going to play? Um, I started this year kind of strong. I went from Horizon Forbidden West into Deathloop into Cyberpunk 2077, but I'm kind of in a lull here. And so there are a few games that I have not played that, that... Let's just decide right now if I'm gonna which one I'm gonna play next. So here's the list. I played Nank and Rampa one and two. I still have not played three. That's on the list. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned earlier, I have not played Death Stranding. That is on the list. I also have not played what everyone's favorite JRPG, Persona <laughs> Five, the Royal Edition. And then I also have not played what everyone seems to consider the game of the generation. Disco Elysium. Everyone loves this game so much. I gave it about five minutes and bounced off of it, but I'm willing Same. to give it another shot. <laughs> and then finally, with uh, with these Resident Evil announcements, I still have not played the remakes of two and three. So 
I am adding those to the list as well. Because uh, three is kind of a you know six hour game. I wanna, yeah. If I'm going to do two, might as well play through three too. So, is there any games, John, that I should before I spin this wheel that I should add to this list? No, but can I say which one I'm pulling for? Yeah. Okay. Persona Five, baby, let's go. <laughs> I want. <laughs> so to the audience, I uh, I have recently. I've never played Persona Five, but what I did do is I watched a 65-hour YouTube video <laughs> oh over the course of a year and a half to get the story, and the story was damn good. So I'm very happy I did it. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to get your impressions on that game because I know how much you like narrative, and I know how much you like bonds and and you know kind of getting to know characters on a intimate level and that game is as that in spades so that's what i'm pulling for also i want to see you try and get through a 110 hour game because i think that'd, that'd be pretty funny so uh yeah we'll all see. right yep i'll i will not be able to play another game for the next six months because i'll be all persona all the time um which which could be an, it could be a segment uh, you know a persona yep. five segment like who am I who am I dating who am I into <laughs> who's my who waifu like? today yeah yeah who's my waifu um, <laughs> so you know I, it wouldn't be the worst thing a lot of people say it's the best RPG you know Jason Trier yeah. after they announced that it's coming to PC and all that he's like I'm gonna play through it a third time and I'm like oh <laughs> I wow. can't imagine okay. man I I, <laughs> I can't imagine that but hey more power to you and he has a kid too John I don't know you're just slacking. Well, you know, I have a nine to five. How about that? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, not wait any longer. All right. Spinning the wheel. Here we go. The wheel is spinning. It is slowing down. Oh, boy. <laughs> so it landed on the same thing of, that I tested earlier. Death Stranding. It huh? is Death Stranding. Um, All right. All right. So... The f- cool thing is, is because this is on the PlayStation Plus Extra tier, I'm signing up today, and I'll download the game. So there you go. I'm going to start playing Death Stranding, the one Hideo Kojima game I have not played. Um, and so I will probably have thoughts in a future podcast. So. so I also haven't played this game. Nick, should I put off <laughs> playing Doom Eternal and start this? I know we won't finish at the same time because you have much quicker than I am, but should, should I start this too, you think? That, that is entirely up to you. Right, and right, we'll I will see. say this. If I utterly hate this game, I will not complete it. That's not <laughs> – I am not <laughs> – Weak. Gar- in my younger days, I would play hate play games to completion – that is not the case here. I Nick, will, I'm going to give Death Stranding. spoke. The wheel spoke. <laughs> All cannot. hail the wheel. <laughs> so, no, that's fair. All right. So Death Stranding is my next game. I will definitely have some updates in the next few weeks as I play through it and give you my thoughts. Perfect. All right, John, bring it home. All right. So as we kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, fresh off of last night, I finally got through – about three months late, but, you know, finally got through Horizon Forbidden West. And so I just wanted to have a kind of a, a little spoiler session, just kind of go over our thoughts on the game, what we liked about it, what we didn't. Um, so just kind of, um, you know, real quick. So Horizon Forbidden West came out uh, at the end of, was it the end of February, Nick? Yeah. February. Whenever okay. Elden Ring came out, it was the week before. Yeah, poor, poor, <laughs> poor, poor Gorilla. Uh, made by Gorilla Games, one of the Sony first-party teams. Uh, sequel to the uh, fantastic 2017 game Horizon uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I think this game's great. I think this game. 
uh, does some things better than almost any other game on the market. I think that, you know, obviously the main drawing point is how pretty it is. Um, you know, I recently got the uh, LG C1 OLED TV, and my God, this game, it just, <laughs> it, it looks so, so good on there. Uh, just all the colors are so vibrant. The blacks are so, so deep and dark, and it just really, really shines. Stop rubbing it in, John. Yeah, yeah. Not yep. all well, of us yeah. have this TV. You have an open <laughs> invitation, man. Anytime you want to come over. Oh, um, that's not the same. <laughs> no, you're right. You come with um, it. But you know, I, I think I think it uh, you know it excels so much. You know, the combat is fantastic. You know, nothing feels better than picking apart a machine and tearing off its armor and you know whittling it down until it starts to kind of like hobble around all over the place and finally getting it finally getting it down. Whether it's something like a tremor tusk, a slither fang, you know, these elephant or large cobra type creatures, um, you know, that we get to take down. But you know, I think. Uh, it deserves all the credit it does. You know, it's it, it does have the unfortunate uh, downside of coming out a week before Elden Ring. Uh, and also the first one came out a week before Breath of the Wild. So there is sort of a curse around this game. But I think there's also been an unfair kind of comparison uh, between this and Elden Ring. You know, they're, they're two separate games, right? They're both open world games, but one is doing something completely different um, than the other. So without going too much into Elden Ring... Um, I will say I did have a, a couple couple things about the game that maybe I, I wish they they did a little bit better, and namely that would probably be narratively. Okay, um, I just want to before we I want to stay on the gameplay before we get to the plot because okay, I really do want to put there. a big fat spoiler warning. Okay, on that. Um, but uh, no, that's that's fair. So, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, the, like I said, like the enemy design uh, is great. Um, you know, seeing different animals kind of pop in, um, you know, that you might not expect to, to see a giant machine version of is, is always very cool. There's one specific flying creature I won't mention that that I thought was a really, really cool, uh, really cool combat encounter. Um, you know, and and yeah, I, I just I couldn't get over how pretty it was all the underwater segments. Um, there's a specific. Uh, moment probably about halfway through the game where there's a lot of lights and, and pretty things kind of happening, um, you know, that that we, well, I guess we'll probably talk about when we go through the narrative side. Um, but yeah, man, I don't think anybody does an open world Ubisoft style game better than this. And I know that that yeah. can have a negative connotation to it. You know, but it is, it is very, you know, filled up map, go through, clear out bases, do this kind of stuff. But just being in that world and just kind of taking it all in makes it doesn't doesn't feel like a chore at all. So, right. um, yeah, man, uh, what what did you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, it's its strongest suits is the is the gameplay, the environments. Like my God, like just like you go through a desert, you go through snowy landscapes, and you're in a giant winter storm, and then you go through these giant forests with giant you know redwood trees, and then you finally get all the way to the west, and you're in this beautiful um, dystopian San Francisco, but it's like all tropical and beautiful and there's, you know, creatures swimming in the water, creatures grazing here. It's just, it's just so incredible to take in. It's a, it's like a visual feast for the eyes. And then, and then you get into combat with these robot dinosaurs and animals, and they're just all distinct and they all have different fight patterns. And, you know, if you're not careful, they can overwhelm you. It's just, 
it's an incredible amount of detail goes into this world that it's just, it's really unmatched that, that, you know, yeah, the comparisons can be made to an Ubisoft game, but nobody else is doing it this good. Right. You know, even Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the recent game, which I thought was pretty good. It's just nowhere on the scale of what this game is doing. It's just Guerrilla Games has always been just a visual showcase for the PlayStation platforms, even more than, you know, Insomniac and other first party developers. It's just wow. Yep. Like, it's it's great. It's probably the best looking game I've ever played. I mean, just to just to put that statement out there. Yeah. Yeah, and and it ru- and it runs on PS4. I d- I haven't seen it on PS4, but that's also just a testament. You know, I'm sure it looks right. amazing there too. Uh, so, but uh, I I mean, we can get there now. Like with the part of the game that I believe we both didn't like very much. So we're gonna put a big fat spoiler warning. If you <laughs> listen beyond this point right now, we will spoil specific plot points, including the ending of this game. So. Um, Given that warning, John, take it away. What did you think of the story? Uh, I thought it was pretty half-baked. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we were we were set up going into this, you know, after the events of the last game with Silence kind of taking Hades away and, you know, almost betraying Aloy. You didn't really know where the story was going to go. And so we get introduced to these characters, right, called the Far Zenith, or the Zeniths, I guess we'll, we'll say for short. You know, and they're these, these immortal interstellar travelers <laughs> with shiny translucent shields that make them invincible. And the way that they're kind of used throughout the story and introduced just seems so half-hearted. It just... You know, there's not a lot of not a lot of threats and reasons why they're there. You know, it's always obviously intentionally vague in the beginning. But even as the story progressed, I just felt like the motivations and just like the threat levels that that they're providing just seems so just again half baked. And I just I never I never wanted to know more about them. I never needed to. It just was like, oh, they're here again. I guess I better, you know, let this cutscene play out and then I'll just carry on with the rest of the game. Um, and so that was, that always left a bad taste in my mouth anytime I, I saw them. And, and also over, over the same amount of time, there's this other enemy that's introduced, right? Regala. And she's kind of the, she's the bad guy of earth, right? Not this, not this interstellar (laughs) bad guy. She's the one just kind of causing problems for you while you're trying to deal with these other people. And she's, she's a part of the Tanakh tribe, which are, you know, the tribe that exists in the far West. And so they're a little more ruthless, a little more, um, you know, mean spirited. And so she's kind of trying to take down the existing chief of the Tanakh. I believe his name's Hikaro. And, to kind of draw a comparison here, I know probably not a lot of people have seen Eternals because it's not great, right? But there, there's a problem with this movie where you get introduced to a bad guy. And it could be said for anything. It doesn't have to be Eternals. But you get introduced to a bad guy, and you're expecting this to be the bad guy and this to be the motivations for what my character is doing. And then when you kind of start to go through the game and you haven't seen a lot of them, and then they, they're not there and they're not menacing, and then they kind of just pop up here and, here and there towards the end of the game, it's just like, oh, yeah, I forgot about you. And that game, <laughs> it, it seemed like that a lot with this, yeah. um, where, you know, I don't really know what I'm fighting in the moment, what's important, what's not important. Um, 
you know, and it just, it seemed really scattershot, um, you know, and, and also like kind of just some very, really minor thing, but like they made an edition of this game, the Regala edition. It was like the <laughs> deluxe edition of the game. And so it's just really weird to me that everything felt just a little, it just felt a little flat. And um, do you remember who plays Regala as well? No. No, was, I don't. Oh, wait, was, Angela Bassett, right? Yes, yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, yeah, we're, we're bringing in these big star care, star name, you know, uh, actors, and, and yeah, it just seems like, okay, well, we have her for two days, so we'll get her to record a couple lines, and, you know, we can't use her a lot because we can't pay for her to be here all this time or whatever the case. I'm sure that's not what happened, but it, it's just, you know, I would rather you give me one strong antagonist that has a motivation for trying to do all these things, because I beat I beat it yesterday, man. I can't really tell you what Regala was doing besides she just didn't like Hikaru. She's just kind of you know going through and and just seems to be causing problems for anybody everybody because we need problems to happen for for Aloy while she's trying to get to the West, and mm-hmm. that's you know that's never a good narrative driver, um, you know. So that that being said i mean there were some some parts that were okay you know i i think they did a better job with uh some of the side characters you know um one of the things kind of about this game that i found interesting or kind of funny was you start this game off and they throw everybody from the first game at you um you know and i don't think i knew a single one of them except for varl <laughs> right who who ended up being a main character in this game so i think they did a better job with some of the side characters you know you kind of have this base that you keep going back to here and there um these people are at the base uh with you so you kind of build relationships a little bit more so i think they did a better job with some of that but overall i was kind of hoping the story hit a little bit harder um you know, and and maybe you can touch a little bit, Nick, upon this nemesis thing that's kind of leading into the third game. <laughs> um, and like, you know, and then what ultimately is the main antagonist of the game, this character named Tilda, who is also one of the Zeniths. But, you know, it seemed like the, the writers didn't really know how to utilize her as well. So um, I feel like I'm kind of just rambling here, Nick, if you want to <laughs> kind of take over a bit and just, uh, yeah, what did, what did you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Everything you said about Regala, because... She is introduced as you as you get into the Forbidden West as this big bad enemy. She makes a big show showy entrance. You know she kills a, a guy you just met. Uh, she does all these bad things, and the next story mission later, you are introduced to the Zenus, and it's yeah. just, they just boom undercut her right out of there. And again, I think it was funny talking even before this game came out, I, you, we were talking about just anime and how I hate the trope in anime is that they just constantly release uh, a story element is just have an enemy that's stronger than the enemy they fought before. And here comes Horizon Forbidden West and the Zeniths are exactly that. They're way overpowered, absurdly overpowered. They're immortal. They fly. They're invulnerable. It's just it's just one of the most absurd things. <laughs> right. Third which, characters which that none, ever been Which none of which they explain. They don't they don't explain why they're immortal. They don't explain, you know, why they can fly. And you know, yeah, you could just say advanced technology, but yeah. I don't know. That seems weak. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've existed the whole time after, you know, the machines killed everyone on the planet and the planet's been terraformed a few times. So they've been around like, you know, over a thousand years. I, I, I guess we just have to make that logic leap that they would learn all these things. But but then they're everything's just frustrating. It's even when 
they're so they're comically bad. That's which is also worse. They're just they're just evil for the sake of evil. Yep. And and at first I thought like, oh, they just have a god complex, right? We're the advanced ones. We're the ones who've been around forever. You know, we have this ego, but they just kill people left and right. And then when the big reveal, the ending of the story is like, well, they were they took Gaia, the the machine that terraforms the planet, because they're being chased by this super AI that's coming to kill them, and they want to grab this stuff and get get off Earth because this thing is coming to to Earth. Uh, Nemesis is going to come to Earth and wipe everything out. So it's like it didn't. Why did you have to be so evil to the people that existed on the planet if you knew they're going to die anyway? It right. just it just like it's just like they were comic book villains, but not very good ones because the only times we saw them was when they're you know. Killing people, killing the main, oh, one of the, your main side partners, Varl, and then the only one we really get a kind of connection to is Tilda, played by Carrie Ann Moss, and even she's kind of just I don't know. She has a connection to the previous Aloy, Elizabeth Sobeck, the one that the character that Aloy is based on, and it's it's still just it just it never felt good. It was just weird, yep. you know. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, so that all said though, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to think that I didn't like this game, right? I don't want, you know, anybody to think that I, I thought it was anything less than excellent because it was, you know, I'm a very much a gameplay first kind of person. That's just how I roll with games. You know, some of my favorite games of all time, Hades, uh, the binding of Isaac, these games, you know, where it's, it's fast and, and action packed. And this game had that in spades. Um, I just wish that, you know, it, it they, they were able to flesh out a little bit more coherent of a story, have characters that didn't necessarily fall into such tropey, tropey things and, you know, really stick the landing with that where, you know, I'm going into the third game, you know, saying, oh, my God, I can't wait to see what happens next. Can you believe that this is going to happen? And, you know, I'm very excited for the next game, but I'm very excited for the next game because I want to see the environments. I want to fight robots not because I care what Eric from Far Zenith is doing, even though he's dead, <laughs> but, you know, just as an example. Um, you know, so, again, like, I, I, but I still think the games, you know, it's a 9 out of 10, man. It's, it's, yep. it's, it's very, very excellent. You know, kind of similarly, honestly, you know, to, to The Last of Us Part Two, I, I don't think this story had anywhere... Like, I love the story of Last of Us Part Two, but I know a lot of people didn't. But anybody who says that that game is less than excellent because of the amount of detail because of the gameplay systems put in place how beautiful it is 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 just wrong i'm sorry you know you're, you're you have to look at the whole package and, and horizon as a whole package is is great um yeah. so kind of real quick nick like you know as we go into the third game you know i know we talked about this a little bit earlier but like where where do you want to see the sequel go do you do you want to see aloy just go explore uh different parts of the world do you think that we're just going to have to kind of stay within uh you know obviously the united states quote unquote or um you know what do you what do you kind of want to see yeah they'll definitely have to switch up the region um i think uh you know there's a lot of similarities between this and the first game uh, that even though there were new biomes in this, there were also a lot of biomes that were very similar, especially if you played the uh, the DLC for the first game, uh, which went into like a winter biome. So I really think like they definitely have to go to a different part of the world, um, which could maybe introduce, you know, different animals, you know, 
we were talking earlier, like Africa would be a great place because then, you know, we got robot rhinos, we got robot lions, robot giraffes, you know. Ooh, robot giraffes. I didn't even think of that. I guess that's basically, <laughs> that's basically a tall neck though, right? <laughs> yeah, but maybe not, a, yeah, not as, but you know, more of a threat an, to you. An um, evil giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they definitely have to switch that up, but I'm really, I mean, that's their strong point is all the, the environments as we've talked about and the robots themselves. So I think like the, you know, they know what they're doing. They're going to make it great. It's just, can they land this, this ridiculous story premise of an, it, well, and I guess we've been dealing with AIs this whole game, you know, Hephaestus, yeah. Gaia, all that, but how can we deal with, you know, the super evil AI that's even more worse <laughs> yeah. than Hades. Um, well, to your point earlier, man, it seems, yeah, it seems very anime-esque, right? And let's, <laughs> let's kind of hope that, that maybe that's not the only thing driving the third game. It's like, I don't, I don't know if we need to fight on the moon, right? Or if we need to, <laughs> if we need to, I don't know, see the robot Loch Ness monsters or whatever the case, like, yeah, try to not jump the shark too much. Right, right. Well, we'll, we'll get a training montage and they'll be ready. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be excited. I was a little burned out after I got the platinum of this game that I, I remember instantly uninstalling it. Like I was just, I'm like, I'm done. Like, right. 50, you know, the 50 to 70 hours I played it, I was like, that's it. I'm out. So, um, but I'm sure I'll be back again. Cause you know, as oh, we yeah. said, nobody's doing the Ubisoft formula quite like Gorilla is. So um, I'll be there. Um, but what do you think, John? Do you have any predictions for the next game? No, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, I, I think it would be very, very underwhelming to just stay where they're at. Um, you know, we've, we've basically explored the entire United States now, right? Like kind of Nora country is, I guess, or, or really, you know, maybe Nora country is kind of like the, the mountains of Colorado, right? And, and we start going west from there where you kind of get into the deserty climates of Utah, cross into California and all that stuff. So going east isn't very exciting because I don't think I need to see, you know, post-apocalyptic Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, you know, maybe you could go to like California or I'm sorry, Florida, you know, where there's some swampy stuff going on. There's some wetlands, things like that. But I, I think now that we know Aloy can fly uh, with with different robots, it would, just makes perfect sense to, um, you know, to use that power and, and see what the rest of the world is, because. You know, if now the threat is the threat is global. I mean, the threat's always been global, but all of this stuff seems to be taking place in the United States. But you know, if this this AI is hurtling towards Earth, you know, you'd, you'd think that everything wouldn't just happen in the United States. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think Africa sounds like a great place. Um, you know, maybe something like uh, shit, man, I, Australia, Southeast Asia, lots Robot of deadly platypuses. creatures. Yeah, yeah, robot platypuses, <laughs> robot spiders, robot scorpions, you know, things. Australia is known as like the deadliest place on earth. So, you know, but that also is a little bit samey to the United States too. So, you know, I don't know. I I, I just, uh, I, I have faith in Gorilla to, to give us something special, to give us something that's, you know, beautiful. And, you know, I really, really uh, look forward to seeing, you know, everybody unlock the full power of the PS5 because as anybody who plays a game, or plays games from the beginning of a generation to the end of a generation knows, you know, the graphical improvements are, are absurd that can be made. You know, you just look at uncharted Drake's fortune compared to the last of us and it's night and day. So, um, you know, I think it'll be a treat visually. I'm sure the combat will be the same. 
Um, but like I said, I'm a combat, I'm a gameplay guy, so I know I'll have fun. I'll be there day one. <laughs> yep. You'll be there day one to tie it back in 2027, 2028 yes. <laughs> for Horizon. Uh, On episode uh, 642 <laughs> of PlayStation Pals. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, stay yep. tuned. Yep. It'll, that's be the title. Horizon uh, Outback. all right well that is six things we're done john we did it we recorded our second episode Woo! you feeling good feeling good man feeling good all right great so we're out of here we're gonna leave you with uh final fantasy 7 remake song this is boy this is the most iconic song it's the first kind of song you hear at the beginning of the game, it's called Bombing Mission. <laughs> yes, Bombing Mission by Nobuo Uematsu. All right, have a great night, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye.
want me a pizza? 